Hey, if you can hear my wife too much, she's upstairs singing and I can tell her to shut up. If you want to. I also hear you writing something. Is that you writing? No, that's my wife. I told her to stop about eight times and she has not gotten it my text. It sounds like scratching on paper. That's her she, voice in the background? She is scratching on the floor above me to get out of her cage. <laughs> no, she's <laughs> she's scratching paint off of the doorframe. Oh, wow. But yeah, I've asked her to stop. Hold on, let me yell. Hey, babe! Careful. I know. <laughs> okay. oh, that scratching is super loud. Sorry. All right. Sorry. We're we down like fifteen. Oh, that's, I'm sorry. I'll stop. All right. Thanks. Love you. Uh, bye. Bye. That's okay. Oh, you're in deep shit. Welcome to the Tuesday Night Podcast. I'm Alan Girding, and this is the podcast all about the stories we make while playing the games we love on, off, around, and even under the gaming table. Talking tabletop games, board games, card games. And with me, I have a loyal friend to the Tuesday Night Games Gaming Company. In fact, you were friends of the company before it was even really a company. I'm with Don Stroud. Hey, Alan. <laughs> hey, hey, Don. How are you? And you know what? I'm great. Thanks for having me on the show. You have a great voice for podcasting. And Thank I you. will even say, crush on you a little bit. You also have a face for video, too. You're a handsome man. You're tall. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I'm tall. I'm like 6'2 or 6'3 or something. You may recognize his voice as the voice of Captain Driver Ray from our Mothership episode. <laughs> Driver Ray. <laughs> oh, man. And we recorded that in Origins, which you won't be with us this next time. No, I will miss it. And it's the first time I've missed it since 2011. That was the first time I'd ever gone. Man, that's a heartbreaker. A little. And if you don't know Don from his writing, if you don't know Don from his games, and if you don't know him as Captain Driver Ray from our Mothership episode, you probably know him is our lead booth. I like to call you the booth sheriff because mm. you are in charge of the booth when Sean and I are not there. Yeah. So you've done that ever since pretty much our first show. Yeah, I mean, I was working in your booth before you had product. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> and I just talked about you last episode. I'm not sure you realize this. This is episode 166. No. In episode 165, I talked about the first time Sean and I ever played Two Rooms in a Boom and you were in that game, sir. Yeah, I was in like the first, what, 20 sessions or something. Because we were playing in the house and then we went to uh, Protospiel. Proto yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's a good game. It's fun. I know you and I have had our differences during Two Rooms in a Boom. <laughs> and that's totally my humorous fault. <laughs> but we won't visit that unless we have people ask us to oh, by yeah. emailing us podcast at... TuesdayNightGames.com <laughs> if they want to hear the full story. Nice. 
classic. We have a lot to talk about, so we're not going to have any interaction satisfaction. We're not answering emails. We're not doing a Nave Tonight submission because I just want to catch up with you and get to know all the exciting shit that you are doing in the month of February. It's going to be a busy month for you, man. Yeah, I'm starting to get a little excited. I like what you say because a lot of people would say I'm nervous, but you're turning that into excitement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not stressed out at all. I'm good. <laughs> when I think of Don Stroud, I think mostly of role-playing games. You have a strong love for role-playing games. Am I wrong? You are not wrong. You are correct. Hence why you were so involved in Mothership. You played Sir Captain Driver Ray, but you also had involvement in the first module, Dead Planet. Could you tell me about that? Because I'm actually pretty ignorant as to how much involvement you had. I know your oh. name is smack dab right on top of Dead Planet. Your name's right next to uh, Sean McCoy and Fiona Geist. Yeah. What was that journey like? Tell me the story of Don Stroud's involvement with Dead Planet. All right, it all starts on a some kind of day where I was texting uh, your business partner, Sean McCoy. Sean, yeah. And I just came up with the uh, like a short idea. It eventually became Screaming on the Alexis, which is a single-page adventure. And I was just going to write it up, and we were just going to put it out, right? Then at Origins, we were talking. I think it was when you were away from the booth. Because we'd just spitball back and forth, back and forth. Hey, what if there was a whole planet that was dead? Hey, what if there's a moon? So my involvement was... First of all, I'm going to totally interrupt you because yeah. I, I want to call bullshit here. Because mm -hmm. you said it must have been when I was away from the booth. You were at the booth quite a bit. I believe that I is I never the... left the booth except when I was bleeding out my ear nonstop. And that was literally the only time. So I would say... All right, edit all that out. And it must have been when you were running demos for other people. Okay. <laughs> and Sean no. and I were being lazy and just talking about adventures. I'm not which... editing any of that out. But keep on going, sir. <laughs> which I think panned out for all of us that we were just talking about the adventure because that was the synthesis. So technically, I am the lead writer on it. On Dead Planet? Yeah, on Dead Planet. All the ideas were mine. So then I was like, hey, there should be this moon. How about you write that? because I don't like writing social interaction stuff. You just want to get to the heart of the story. So if I'm going to understand your role-playing style the most, mm -hmm. you're going more into the conflict, the story, and those moments that move it along, not so much the rule nitty-gritty interactions. Is that fair or am I misrepresenting? You know, that's pretty fair. Like my biggest thing is exploration, finding out why something is the way it is. Like that's how I like to write and that's how I like to play. Fiona and Sean helped tons and they're, you know, they each had huge chunks to take care Absolutely, of. Absolutely, because writing and coming up with the story doesn't include all the charts, all the graphics, all the imaging, all of the editing that goes into it. Because right. I could come to you, Don, with this amazing idea and I write it in crayon. It's still a really good idea, but you're not gonna sell someone a book that's written in crayon with all sorts of typos. Now, I'm not suggesting that is your writing style that you wrote in mm -hmm. crayon, but that's just me helping you give credit to Sean and Fiona because you're a very humble guy. I, I, you don't seem very boisterous in person. And yes, yes, they both the uh, Sean and Fiona contributed tons, did really great stuff, and then Jarrett Crater did a fine job editing. It was totally a group thing. 
And I mean, you did some awesome work on that too, right? I did absolutely nothing with Dead Planet. I did absolutely nothing with Mothership. So nice. when it comes to Mothership, the only thing I've done so far is basically be a fanboy for it. I'll even tell you right now, if we were to play Dead Planet, mm -hmm. I would still mostly be surprised. I know a lot, I've read a lot of the charts, mm -hmm. but as far as the main story, I've withheld reading it in case someone will run it for me because that's how selfish I am. I want to enjoy it, even though we've made it and I've worked hours and hours at the booth selling this thing. I know mm -hmm. the main selling points, but there is enough of a mystery that I left myself that I feel I could play as a character and not mm -hmm. ruin the game for everybody else. That'd be awesome. That's how selfish I am. And that's how much of a fan I am of your work, of Sean's work, Fiona's work. I'm really excited just to play Dead Planet, which is why I'm also really excited for a pound of flesh. <laughs> so this is actually a big announcement. February 5th, first Tuesday in February, launching on Kickstarter is a pound of flesh. As a fanboy for Mothership, and a huge advocate for everyone to go ahead and enjoy mm -hmm. as much sci-fi horror role-playing games as possible, I actually know very little about A Pound of Flesh. Next episode, Sean's going to be back on. We're going to go oh. into all the details of A Pound of Flesh, but could you give me your involvement with A Pound of Flesh? Give me, not spoilers, please. Right. But some teasers, if you will. A trailer. I can. I can, in fact, because I was texting with Sean and said, hey, what can I say and what can I not say? Because I am a co-author on Pound of Flesh, Chance Phillips is the lead writer on it, so he's taken the bulk of it. Wait, who's Chance? Where did you all find Chance? Chance Phillips, he is a young lad. He found us. He found Sean at Gen Con and wanted to pick up this stuff. But he is well known for, oh, an adventure called, uh, I forget if it's On the Shoulders of Giants. Shoulders of Giants, keywords. Shoulders, Giants. Yes. He uh, is publishing under his own little imprint, is it called an imprint or is that for records? I have no idea. His own little, uh, yeah, his own little press that's called Ap Apollon, I think, or Apollon. I don't know. I don't know how to pronounce those fancy Roman words. Chance has also um, done a few zines. He just had a successful Kickstarter and delivered the first zine. I think it's called Phantasmagoria. Oh, and sweet. And it is a DCC-compatible zine science fantasy. So there are aliens there are swords there are guns there are spaceships he's a talented guy and so he is the lead writer on this he came up at gen con he bought the books mothership and dead planet and he met sean and sean was like hey i don't i don't know how it worked out but basically sean was like hey uh chance i know who you are if you ever want to do a mothership module let myself and don stroud know and sure enough <sighs> <laughs> he totally took the bait, and now here we are with A Pound of Flesh coming out. And so you co-wrote this with someone you've never even met before, I'm assuming. Had you even met Chance? No, I missed him because I got to Gen Con late. So he was there, and I was like, oh, hey, you know, I want to meet you. Didn't happen. So to this day, you've never seen him in person? No, no. How'd that work? You can give me the dirt. If it was shitty, let me know. No, no, it's, I mean, it's a lot like Dead Planet because I had never met Fiona until Gen Con, which that's when we launched Dead Planet. So I'm kind of used to working with people just over the internet. What's your primary form of contact? Are you using the Mothership Discord to chat back and forth? 
Yeah, so um, we have a Mothership Discord, which is amazingly active. It's very full. So we have a little side channel where we communicate, and the editor, Jarrett, can see it, and some of the other developers can see it. So everyone who's working on a project, which there are several, they can see each other's stuff to a certain extent. Oh, you know what? I forgot to leave out a very important part. I'm the developer of Pond of Flesh as well. So not only you're a co-writer, but you're a developer. What's the difference between a co-writer and a developer? Well, I'm kind of guiding the process. Um, it's Is this not... kind of like you're the director if it was a movie? I guess, yeah. Okay, that's an analogy yeah. that fits? Yeah, director. Yeah, because you know I'm like, well, maybe we should go in this direction. Well, what if we try this? So it's kind of, it's definitely the first time, although I was a developer on Mothership, but I was more of a cheerleader. No, you wrote some monsters for sure when we were giving away those oh, yeah. free monster mm-hmm. cards at Origins yeah. and Gen Con. If you bought mm-hmm. Mothership and it was a different one every day, yeah. you definitely designed some of those monsters. I remember that Two for of them. sure. Yeah, yeah. It's totally yeah. interesting though because if you're the writer, and going back to the movie analogy, you know, you buy the script from the writer, and then the director mm-hmm. is the one who directs the action, the acting, the cinematography, is basically in charge of the whole thing, the complete package. Gets the money from the producers. So using that analogy, Tuesday Night Games is the producer. You're the director, but you're also the writer, but you're writing it with Chance, which seems mm-hmm. that no matter what, you would have the trump card at the end. So if you and Chance were going back and forth on something and you're kind of torn on the fence, you wanted it this way, he wanted it that way, because you also have the role as director, then mm-hmm. boom, your way would go. Did that type of interaction ever happen where you had a pull rank? No, no, because I am not that kind of person. Like, I will suggest it. Like, if anything, you know, Sean can come in there and pull rank because he's, you know, the director of the director. The producer. Yeah. He's like, hey, I'm going to pull money out of this unless you. So if I say something dumb, he'll come in like, dude, that's so stupid. I hate you. And then I cry. (laughs) And then Chance does like this, you know, yes, like the arm thing because he's like, yes, I win. How many tears have you shed during the process of making a pound of flesh? 17. 17? <laughs> no, it's been very smooth. I don't know if we've gotten into the details yet. No, we? not at all. You haven't given me the teasers for pound of flesh. Let's do it. All right. A space station out there. All the crazy stuff you could ever want if you were, you know, kind of on the other side of the law. So you've got drugs, you've got gambling, you've got prostitution, adventure on a space station deep in the dark. So this almost sounds like it's the pirate capital Tartuga, but in outer space where everyone comes to share their stories, get drunk and resupply what they need before they head on out. So that's a pretty big space station then if it's an entire town in space. Yeah, it's going to be large. This is the place that you go to unwind. There is a mechanism in Mothership where you gain stress from all the horrible stuff you see, and then you can lose it by chilling out, resting, drinking, whatever. I love it. Yeah, but it's a horrible place. So will it really be that much of a stress reliever? Sure. Could bad things happen? Probably. I'm going to predict really bad things happen because this is Sean McCoy's sci-fi horror RPG mothership. 
and bad stuff always has to happen. I know I don't know, but my prediction is it's gonna be some shady deal gone wrong and you get caught in the middle. Maybe it's mistaken identity or it's a breakout of scurvy, except the scurvy is a living alien being that embeds itself into your flesh and then explodes all over to your other crewmates and absorbs them into one pound of mesh. Oh, that's why it's called a pound of flesh, because you get infected and you turn into these cancerous blobs of flesh. So you come back to Tartuga only to find that all these space pirates are now tentacled cancers or something like that. I don't know. This is just anything can happen. This is why I love Mothership, the horror sci-fi RPG. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. That's cool. I like I like the whole Tartuga of space analogy. Yeah, that's perfect. But you didn't stop there, though, because you've been working not only with us and Mothership, Tuesday Night Games, but you've been going solo as well, because you have your very own Kickstarter coming out about the same time as ours. First of all, how dare you, sir, compete with us? But second of all, hey, tell me all about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, this was a very recent development before I was just going to self-fund it all. And then I got to the point where I'm like, eh, I've been working on this thing for two years, maybe three years. Whoa. And I've hit a few snags, you know, uh, some grief. Life. You can't, life. You can't really create when you're grieving, I've discovered. So... I'm back on the creation track. Am I totally picking scabs here? You can tell me to shut up and cut this out. But are you talking about the loss of your father? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be because you were actually there when it, you weren't there when it yeah. happened. <laughs> no, but, but you were with us when your father passed and you had to leave the convention early mm -hmm. to go be with your father. I remember that absolutely. It was, yeah. it was a tough time. Oh, Thank you for sharing. Tough. I really appreciate yeah. that. And absolutely, I could vouch that... When someone is close to you as your father passes, yeah, there things that are creative projects that are on the side only go further to the side. Yeah. Understood. So I kind of took a year off, but I'm back. After Gen Con, the excitement of working with you guys and launching Dead Planet was just amped up. I'm going to put this out next month. So here we are, seven, eight months later, and it's finally to that point that it can come out. What is the name of this thing? Let's stop teasing around and get to the point. The name is The Lesser Key to the Celestial Legion. The Lesser Key to the Celestial Legion. And for what system is this? This is primarily for Dungeon Crawl Classics. It's even going to have the compatible sticker, or not sticker, but graphic on it. It's been approved. Letting you know that it's using the DCC license. Yep. But honestly, it can be used in any OSR game, probably even any RPG game, because a lot of it is just narrative. So is this just full of charts or is this full of story? So it's an independent module. Give me the deets. What am I buying if I buy the lesser key to the Celestial Legion? All right, you are buying this. <laughs> you know how... All the RPGs, well, all the fantasy ones, they will have gods, they will have clerics, or priestly men. That's like a standard, right? Yeah. So this specifically generates these crazy 
angels that come down and tell people what to do, right? I mean, are you familiar with the Bible? <laughs> I've heard of it. That's the one with the snake and the piles of brimstone from people doing butt sex with the yes, whale yes. and the boat and the guy that has to kill his son and that other Mexican dude, Jesus, who fails a critical role and ends up on a crucifix. Yeah, I've, I've heard of it. So a lot of the Old Testament was these angels coming down looking weird, like, you know, chariots of fire or burning bushes. I guess that was God. Ah, so you don't mean just the classic handsome nude dude with big feathery wings. There's all sorts of forms that these angels can take. This probably can generate millions of possibilities, but everything from a tree that's composed of solid rock that when it talks to the cleric, it eventually disintegrates away or it can leave a statue of itself, which can then be turned into a monument. Dude, this is brilliant. You said it totally sounds universal because even though you made it originally for DCC, because it's a tool to generate these things, I could even see it in Mothership. Imagine landing on some planet where you see a stone freaking tree that yeah. gives you a message in your language and then dissolves into some type of statue monument. Right. I yeah, love yeah. these whole what the hell's going on type of scenarios, which is why I love Mothership. And that's why I'm a big fan of Lamentations of the Flame Princess because mm -hmm. I'm no longer scared of trolls. Trolls aren't scary. Right, right. We know fire, they heal. I know what an orc is, I know what a giant is. No offense to Dungeons and Dragons, it's still great, it always has its place. I'd be down to play if your group said, hey, we need some, I'm in. Man, right, I love right. it. Yeah. But what I really love is not knowing. And yeah. that's one thing that you're tapping into here, just these what the fuck moments that I love. Yeah, it doesn't matter what you're playing. This is mostly narrative. There are a couple things like it gives you corruption. You could wing that in any other system. DCC has actual tables for magic corruption. Damn. Yeah, so that's only the first chapter. It goes deeper into clerics. It hits aspects of religion, like what color robe do you wear when you worship? Do you sing? How do you sing? Do you use the written word is it scratched on leather or chiseled in stone is it written on papyrus where do you worship and then we do saints and relics and reliquaries and all these extra duties that clerics can do and how they can convert more followers for your god because followers equals belief equals power right yeah can I ask for one spoiler? Can you just tell me one example of something very specific that you love in the lesser key to the Celestial Legion? So I, of course, love the table I mentioned, Other Signs of Divinity, it is called. But the other okay. part I really love is the exorcism part. Ooh. Yeah. I'm sure somebody out there had done something about... This is how you do an exorcism. But is that really ever covered in D&D? Like, there are spells that may do it. But so this is actually like, you need this much holy water. You need these blessed scrolls. You need to be wearing your vestments. You need to, you know, make this roll and then this roll. And then when you pull the whatever, it's not really a demon because I kind of consider all of these things to be heralds. The possessor, not the possessed. When you right. pull the possessor. Then you can kind of take it and force it into an object or a weapon. If you put it in a weapon, it can kind of make it magical. Oh my goodness. So that is my favorite part. 
our hero and party priest, Alan Vongad, worshipper of Alderok, has successfully exercised this herald and placed it into Captain Driver Ray's heavy pulse rifle, which now, because of the spirit within, fires herald spawn bullets. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Done. That was a really good grab. We don't have much time in here, and there's a couple things I want to do just for funsies. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I'm already sold on the lesser key to the Celestial Legion. When's the official Kickstarter release date for that? Um, Should be Thursday or Friday of this week, which are days that are called... Uh, 30th, 31st, or the 1st. I'm sorry, I don't know. So basically, by the time you're listening to this, it should be released, because this release is Thursday morning. So if it's not out now, it will be out within the next couple of days. That's what you're telling me, Don? Yeah, that's what I'm telling you. <laughs> you are so enmeshed in the role-playing game world. So what we're going to do, Don, I'm going to quiz you on some role-playing game terminology so you can either crash and burn or you can educate the uninitiated. Are you ready, sir? I'm ready. Questiones 1. We've already mentioned that Dungeon Crawl Classics is an OSR. So what the hell, in your words, is an OSR? Uh, it's an old school revival or renaissance. So, yeah. Well, what does that mean? Like, what's the difference between that and a regular role-playing game, all the other ones? All right. So it is, for me, it's more of a feeling. Like, you get that feeling when you first played D&D, whether it was basic or first edition I don't think they include second edition, but that's fine. But that feeling of newness, everything's new, everything's so exciting, everything's so kind of scary because you don't know because you haven't in your free time read the monster manual. So you know, oh, it's a skeleton. I have to get a club. It's that feeling of newness, like freshness. For some reason, it kind of puts you back in that excitement. Like you don't have to sit here and figure out all the feats. Yeah. It's more about playing the damn game than it is all the other stuff that people can get caught up in. All right, you ready for the next one, sir? Hit me. What is Thacko? Thacko is to hit armor class zero. <laughs> and what does that mean? So Thacko was introduced in the second edition of Advanced D&D. So it's just, if you want to hit this monster you have, uh, what, 17 to hit the armor class zero. If the actual armor class was seven, then you subtracted that from 17 and you had to roll a... T Did I do this right? I don't even know. Basically, it's just a bunch of subtraction. <laughs> Simply said. Moving on. Now, this one is a newer term, but I'm sure you're familiar with it as well. All right. AOE. AOE, I think that would be area of effects, probably. You are correct, sir. Isn't that mostly in like the computer RPGs? It is, but not all of them. It is actually in some made role-playing games. Well, here's the bigger question. Right. What is the difference between AOE and Nova? Nova? I don't actually know Nova. Oh. School me. All right. AOE is an area of effect. Mm -hmm. So if I'm a wizard, using generic terms here, and I cast Rain Fire spell, mm -hmm. it 
covers their circumference, an area around where it hits. And that could be all the way over in that other room. Boom. A Nova is the same thing as an AOE, but it has to come from the caster, meaning at the very center of the oh, Nova mm -hmm. is the caster. So imagine you can only cast it surrounding you. So that might be more of a spell of protection that a cleric would cast. Exactly. Yeah. Or maybe even the blade spell. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I got you. Got it. Yeah. All right. Next one, sir. Yeah. TPK. Total party kill. What's that? That is when your entire party is killed. And basically, if you are in a dungeon and your entire party is killed, there's no one there to drag you out and heal you. So you are all really dead for real. Pretend. The game's over, bro. Game over, man. <laughs> so here's the harder question. All right. What is MPK? MPK? M as in monster? I don't know. Well... I'll be honest, I just looked up some vague terms oh, before right. this, and I never heard of it before either, but it's many player kill, where one player kills many other players. Oh. So it's like a lesser extent of a TPK. But it's PvP. Yeah, it may be like a PvP type thing, player versus player thing. Maybe those characters are NPCs. I'm not sure. I've never heard it before, and I'm not surprised you haven't heard it, so I may even just cut that one out. Maybe I'll leave it in. We'll see how I feel. If I'm saucy enough, yeah. and mm -hmm. I think the Knaves, Knights, and listeners alike will enjoy it. Min-maxing, sir. What the hell is min-maxing? Min-maxing. So that is when you, like, I don't need charisma. So you take points from charisma and put it into strength or dexterity or constitution. Things that matter. I never do this. Why would you never do this, Don? This is such a great conversational piece we could spend an entire episode on, but let's just do this in a nutshell. Why would you never do this? Because every stat is useful, and also because I'm not a, oh shit, what's it called? Cunt? <laughs> no, I was going to say I'm not a, what's uh, what's it called? It's the... They, they, munchkin? Yes, thank you. I was like, they made the card game. That's I'm, another one on my list. What the hell's a munchkin, Don? Yeah, it's somebody who min-maxes, I guess, and like, you know, uses... Uh, see, this is the this is the weird line here, because we're going to say, oh, they use out-of-game knowledge. So that's a, like a weird little line here that I'm not sure which, where I straddle it, sure. Yeah. My understanding of min-maxing is exactly what you said, and the reason that I don't like to min-max is you don't get to do that in real life. Like, oh, I want to be a right. warrior. Well, too bad you were born with pipe cleaner arms. Mm -hmm. And I love kind of, I love a fighter with low strength. If you say, I'm going to be a fighter, and you roll it, right. and it's weak. I know traditionally, usually roll before you choose, and that's why you shouldn't even min-max. If you say like, well, I'm going to yeah. see my stats. Well, I'm an idiot, so maybe I should go into fighting? I don't know. There is, there's a certain amount of fun in playing those kind of defective characters. It's always funny. Like, maybe it's not the best strategy game-wise, but why why not play a spindly arm fighter? Maybe they're good at something else, you know? you it, it just allows you to make it something kind of fresh and new and not just generic, you know? And that's why we're there, too. We're there to make a memorable experience. It's all about the stories we make while playing the games we love. Under the table. Munchkin, however. <laughs> <laughs> Munchkin, however, my understanding is those are just immature players that do whatever they can to win. They treat role-playing oh. games not like stories, but games with victory conditions. And I remember 
reading The Munchkin Guide to Being a Munchkin. And I talked about how you roll your dice and you make a habit of concealing it before you reveal it. So if you roll high, you're like, aha. But if you roll low, you just make sure that you're always grabbing it Mm. or even purposely erasing your character sheet so much that it's hard to read the numbers. So you can just kind of lie on the numbers without people correcting you. All this bullshit maneuvers. All right, we're almost done, Don. I I appreciate this. Oh, yeah. Here's one I haven't heard of before. Maybe you have. What is blue booking? Blue booking. Wow, I don't know. Other than, you know, you look it up to see how much your car is worth. (laughs) Blue booking is when someone writes their character narratives in between games or even after the game is over, almost like fan fiction writer for themselves. So therefore, they keep on almost playing the game on their own, but only in their mind. So blue booking is basically how the Dragonlance novels came about. Right. Is they played the game, but then they blue booked it. Huh. That is very interesting. I've never heard of that. And I don't know. Yeah. Do you just turn it into fan fiction then? Yeah. Even if you don't publish it, you can just keep it on your own. Supposedly, some people blue book their characters. So years later, they'll say, hey, you want to see what's been going on with uh, Augustus? Here's my character, Augustus. Remember, (laughs) he's become a king since last you saw him in our games of Dungeons and Dragons. What? That's interesting. I mean, it's kind of cool because you keep... I'd, ra- I'd almost rather somebody do that maybe than just not even look at their character and, unless they're playing. No, I'm not. I don't I don't know. This is what I have to say. It's better than blueballing your character. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you can cut that. No, I'm not cutting anything, <laughs> sir. Very good, sir. Very yeah. good. Done? Yeah. I don't want to say goodbye yet because I want to ask you. So you're the creative force behind a whole bunch that has just come out and that is coming out. Yeah. We talked about Mothership. We talked about Dead Planet, Pound of Flesh, and Lesser Key to the Celestial Legion. Mm -hmm. Now, have you ever tried your hand at other games as far as card games and tabletop games, board games? Yeah. You know, I have a bunch of designs uh, and I just kind of gave up. I don't know why. Well, let me ask you, what is the biggest obstacle, in your opinion, that is keeping you from bringing your game designs onto the gaming table for your friends, family, and fans alike? Um, It just seemed pointless at a certain time. Like, you have to rely on a publisher. You don't have to. You can go with the Kickstarter route with a board game. Or here's another idea, Don. Uh-huh. Sponsors! about your stuff but only if we like it <laughs> you could also use the gamecrafter.com don oh. i was thinking what your answer was going to be something like well i can't find an artist or i don't have templates for my cards mm. or there's this obstacle of idea to actual physical manifestation and that's the cool thing about the gamecrafter.com is it has all these tools in place to get your idea from your brain and crap it out onto actual physical components. And one of the things they have to help you do that is something they call the game design assets. So if you go onto thegamecrafter.com and you go to the game design assets, they have all these tools that are already made for you to make it so much easier. For instance, 
They have plenty of graphics. So if you don't have any art of your own, you can go ahead and check out those that are available at the Game Design Assets. They have templates for cards, for boards, and so many that if you say, oh man, I really like what this game did with their cards, you can just take it. And I think that's where most of these templates come from or other people that made their game crafter card games and just threw it up there. Mm -hmm. Fonts, they have coin generators. I saw images for medieval bags. So even if you're doing a role-playing game and you wanted to have a whole section on equipment and inventory, boom, you can get those graphics and content right there in the game crafter. And they even have a whole bunch of card backs too. So if you're not sure what kind of playing cards you want or card backs, boom, right then and there. What do you think of that, Don? I actually think that's awesome because, you know, I have this Corvus game I've been talking about for since I've met you. I'm going to take it to Game Crafter. <laughs> hey, thanks for helping me show out the Game Crafter, Don. I appreciate it. No, I'm serious. <laughs> I'm serious, too. I mean, we wouldn't talk about it unless we were legit serious about it. Oh, yeah. As contrived as it may seem, it is the tool we go to all the time. So anyway. Right. They're, uh, you're not even mentioning how they are probably great for making your prototypes, right? I've mentioned that so many times in the past, <laughs> I wouldn't want to bore you with it. Oh, I didn't listen. Uh, no problem. Hey, you don't have to be a knave in order to be a noble, sir. <laughs> oh, I'm a noble now. I was so offended when you had Adam Vasson, but I was like, wait a minute. I've been on that show so many times, and you're saying he's the first noble? What? I don't know what oh, it was. Oh, he wasn't the first noble, but let me tell you, you were a noble long ago, sir. Yeah. Because you came on with a live show at Gen Con, and we oh, had yeah. a one-on-one -on -one show previously, too, where I edited it wrong to make it sound like Ypsilanti was in the thumb. <laughs> so you've been a noble for a long time, sir. And you're even more than that, too. You're the sheriff of our booth. I'm the booth sheriff. Absolutely. So if you stop by our booth, chances are... It's Don Stroud that's there. If you see a nice, handsome, large gentleman with lovely tattoos up and down his arms. Mm-hmm. That's me. Speaking of which, if you are a Knave Knight or listener alike and you have any comments, questions, or you want to submit your Knave Tonight submission so you can go from being a noble to a knight, you should email us, podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com. with a K. Don, let me quiz you. Yeah. Do you know our social media handle? If you want to tweet us, where you go? Um, isn't it at tkg.com? Close. It's playtkg. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> at playtkg. On Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all the social medias. And the best thing you can do to probably help support this show is just share the shit out of it. Share it with your friends, like us, and give us a review on iTunes. How many stars should they give us, Don? They should actually give you the amount of stars they feel you deserve. I like that. That's noble. That's honest. Uh -huh. Which is probably four or five, honestly. I mean, really. It's a great, it's a great show, everybody. Thanks, <laughs> Doc. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, with that being said, I believe this episode is... Lesser Key to the Celestial Legion. Finished. <laughs> <laughs> A 
big thanks to all the knaves listening to this right now, and a big thanks to Don Stroud for coming on and being a noble this episode. Be sure to check out his Kickstarter campaign, right meow, until February 28th. His company's called Psychota Press. Very clever. <laughs> and don't forget, February 5th, which is next week, we got our own Kickstarter going on for a pound of flesh. I'll shut up and let you go. Thanks again. Bye.